Hey, it's Jesse. We'll get to the show in just a sec, but I wanted to ask for a quick favor first. Science Telephone is still pretty new, and we really love making it, and we want to keep doing it. So if you are enjoying the show and you want to see it continue and grow, consider rating us or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to make the show more visible online. And tell your friends, too. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us, and I hope you enjoyed this ridiculous episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you for calling Science Telephone. How did you get this number? No, no, no. It's better if I don't know. Enjoy the show. Hey, hey, I'm Jesse, and this is Science Telephone. Today's episode is going to be just chef's kiss. Wonderful. Uh, I cannot wait to hear what comes down the phone line. So as usual, we're going to hear the real research of a working scientist, and we're going to run it through the meat grinder of our game of telephone, and we're going to see if the ground meat that comes out the other end uh, contains science or just meat. And there goes that analogy is falling apart already. Coming up, we'll have the scientific and comedic stylings of some of my favorite funny people, Abdul Aziz, Kelly Ogmanson, and Aaron Reeder on the show today. But before we get too silly, let's meet our scientist. I'm here with Morgan Alford. Thanks for being on the show, Morgan. Thanks, Jesse. How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this episode. Me too. I think our comedians are going to get a little bit tongue-tied at certain <laughs> points of it, and I'm really looking forward to the meat that falls out. Awesome. So uh, but before it gets to that point, can you tell me a little bit about what you do in, in a little bit more of a sort of layperson description, a little bit more accessible? Yes, for sure. I am currently a doctoral student at the University of British Columbia, working in a lab that's really focused on antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about antibiotic resistance. It's plaguing our modern medical system. It makes it almost impossible to treat bacterial infections when they occur, especially when they occur in the context of other more chronic diseases. So I study a species of bacteria that often infects people with cystic fibrosis, um, which is a disease of the respiratory tract. And in this disease, there's lots of mucus that builds up in the lungs. And so bacteria really like that mucus. It's nice and thick. It's full of nutrients. It's warm. And when they're in that mucus, they kind of form these aggregates. They clump together in these groups that we call biofilms. And that is what makes them antibiotic resistant, we think. And so we're looking at ways that we can reverse this resistance, how we can make them more susceptible to antibiotics, and we can treat them. Okay, cool. Interesting. I'm definitely excited to see <laughs> how everyone interprets this. I know that like a lot of scientists struggle with the general public and their friends or family or whatever, not necessarily understanding what they do in detail. Is there something that like people tend to assume about your work that's that's like totally wrong? Yes. So none of my family are sciencey type folk at all. So every time I get talking to them, I honestly feel like I'm playing science telephone. Um, <laughs> and so a common misconception is as soon as people hear that I study bacterial infections, they sort of jump to things like oh, you're studying like rotten food and like bacteria that we eat and ingest and stuff. And right. I'm like, um, not necessarily. And a lot of people automatically think that all bacteria is harmful as well. And so I think that's where that kind of connection comes from. But right. the species of bacteria that I study is actually relatively not harmful to a healthy person. It only it really infects people that have other diseases and stuff. And so we call it an opportunistic pathogen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that nuance, uh, we'll, see, we'll see if that gets carried through mm -hmm. today. You're no stranger to the field of science communication, right? Like, what's your favorite thing about SciComm? What, what keeps you in that sort of field and, 
an area? Uh, it's just so fun. And it's so much fun to talk to people who don't consider themselves to be savvy with science at all and make them have an aha moment about what you're doing as soon as you've actually like clinched them with something and then they get interested themselves it's so much easier people just they vibe more with what you're saying i guess i totally feel that there's nothing more powerful than than curiosity because yeah. once you get once you pique someone's curiosity it's like oh yeah they're just like on a mission to find out more about it 100 percent, yeah well you've piqued my curiosity with your research so i think it's time to dial in our first comedian Hey there. Uh, this is uh, this is Abdul. Good to talk to you on the phone. <laughs> it's great to talk to you on the phone, Abdul. <laughs> this is Abdul Aziz, uh, who we also had on last episode. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. <laughs> you sound surprised that we had you back. Well, I am a bit surprised because. Uh, at the beginning of this recording, you gave us all the instruction to not go off the rails. And at the end of the last recording, I said, hey, did I go too off the rails? And you said, no, that was good. <laughs> I'd say you you were like really just at the line of what I would consider off the rails. <laughs> you were like at the edge of the rail. Yeah, I'm grinding that rail. <laughs> You, you had the end of the telephone position last time as well, which is a very different position that you're in on this one. Last time uh, uh, on the show, you got really a little bit like angry about the Matrix at the end. Are you feeling a little bit more chill today? Well, no, I got angry at Alistair for being so handsome is what I was really mad about was that Alistair has a perfectly symmetrical face. So I called him out on that, which I feel like we were all... It was what we all wanted. <laughs> yeah, wanted, needed, I don't know. So Morgan's written out a one-minute explanation of her work, which I just emailed to you, Abdul. Oh, my God, there's so many words here, <laughs> and the font is so small. Um, okay, so before I bring on our, our next guest, um, how do you want me to introduce you, Abdul? Am I, so I'm a, I'm a scientist, right? You're, you're a scientist. You can be Abdul the scientist. You can be someone else the scientist, if you'd rather. Uh, say that my name is Dr. Toblerone Jones. <laughs> so it's time to call in our second comedian. Hello? Hello? Hey, welcome to the party line, Kelly. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for inviting you're me. You're very welcome. <laughs> it's really great to have you on the show. Wow. Thank you. I think, Kelly, the first time I saw you perform was at Little Mountain Improv, and something that I really enjoyed about seeing you perform that time was that you absolutely couldn't stop giggling that night for, for whatever reason. Uh, that's me as a human being. <laughs> well, what I loved is you, like, worked it into all of your characters very well, and I'm someone who has a really hard time, like, not cracking up at stuff that I find funny, so, like, that's why I feel like I'm never going to make a good comedian. But you, you did oh, no, it. no, don't. You showed me it's possible. <laughs> you just have to have a good time. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just here to have a good time. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna have a good time because uh, we've got another amazing scientist on the show with us today that I'd like to introduce you to. Okay. We're here with Dr. Toblerone Jones. <laughs> D- Dr. Jones, is there anything you'd like to say before we get going? Uh, I also ask that I be introduced as a doctor of Toblerone-related medicine slash an enforcer for the Victoria chapter of the Hells Angels. My phone number is 250-588-8798. So get at me, Hells Angels. My application is pending. Great. I have written that down because I assume it's part of this. (laughs) Dr. Toblerone-Jones. Um, we're going to get uh, you to tell us about your work. You've got one minute. So uh, I'm going to start the timer now. I study determinants of infectious disease caused by the 
Nosocomial pathogen Pseudomonas aeruginosa. The bacterium is often implicated in chronic infections and is highly comorbid to the genetic disorder cystic fibrosis, in which humans carry a null CFTR allele. I am interested in identifying regulators of bacterial metabolism that continue to contribute to invasiveness and adaptive resistance in the upper respiratory tract of cystic fibrosis patients. The environment is characterized by copious 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 production of mucus, uh, which is nutrient replete, replete, but devoid of oxygen, and presence of bacteria in the biofilm growth state. Bacteria in the biofilm growth state are 1,000 times more resistant to antibiotic therapy than bacteria in the planktonic growth state, thus challenging our ability to treat major and even minor infections. Since anaerobiosis might exacerbate biofilm formation, metabolic potentiation of bacteria could reverse adaptive resistance and enable antibiotic efficacy in the clinic. The end. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Dr. Jones. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, I have many questions. <laughs> first things first, um, you are a doctor. Yes. One hundred percent. Great, and you are talking about chromosomic dealies with the uh, with um, bacteria in their upper respiratory tracts. Yeah. Okay, and uh, talking about uh, copious amounts of mucus. Copious, yes. Oh, copious. Yeah. <laughs> so copious mucus. Yeah. Um, and so there, therefore, uh, something about a nutrient. Yeah. <laughs> what? was the the biofilm what did that have to do with everything there's like two kinds of biofilm right growth states uh there's a good one and a bad one and one of them mm, so the good one is like when they're planktonic growth state wait hmm there's two growth states and there's one biofilm that and that bio the Film is where the growth state lives, and there's planktonic growth rate and antibiotic. Hmm, no, fuck. <laughs> no, okay, hold on. I'm just gonna read this to you again, or say the thing that I know about my own research. Bacteria in the biofilm growth state are a thousand times more resistant to antibiotic therapy than bacteria in the planktonic growth state. So there's two growth states one is a biofilm growth state, and the other one is a a planktonic growth state and the biofilm growth state which is, is a thousand times more resistant to antibiotic therapy because it's in uh, there's like a layer of film over okay. top of it it stops the antibiotics from getting okay. inside it's like a saran mm -hmm. wrap that's mm -hmm. in your lungs what's the other growth state then a planktonic growth state. That's what you said that was, wasn't it? Oh, dear. Can you tell me in, d in detail what that means? Um, 
So sometimes you go swimming and there's an algal bloom and you'll drink too much of the plankton in the water and that and then it'll make the bacteria grow in in this in this special growth state that's called the planktonic growth state. Anything else you want to ask, Kelly? How long did you uh, work on this practice? Good question. Um, Forty years. Wow. Yeah. Dr. Jones, what, do you, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what is your kind of goal, just like in a sort of general way? Without using any words, I don't understand. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> There's a bacteria, right? And it makes a lot of mucus grow in the lungs. Uh, and I'm trying to find ways to treat that bacteria, um, which has a natural antibiotic resistance. Uh, and... and and uh, it shifts between anaerobic states uh, and uh, other states. What's an anaerobic state? Um, anaerobic is when a bacteria can grow, can grow without uh, oxygen. It works for this kind of bacteria because there's mucus in the lungs, which has lots of nutrients in it, but no oxygen. Uh, so... Uh, it will allow this bacteria to grow quite considerably, but the uh, the anaerobic state allows biofilm to grow more and more, and the biofilm stops the antibiotics from getting into the bacteria, which uh, is problematic because you don't want bacteria in your lungs. It makes it hard to breathe. Yeah, that's my research. <laughs> Are you satisfied, Kelly? That's a word. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to do the best at my, my brain that has trouble focusing <laughs> and uh, attention problems. I'm yeah. one of those two. I get it. Thanks so much for your time, uh, Thanks, Dr. Dr. Jones. Jones. I look forward to seeing uh, what comes next. Okay, Kelly, how you doing? Like, this is my book. And, like, that's how I write is, like, chicken scratch. So I'm like, I don't know what this is. So It looks like you spelled the word copious correctly, though, which is... Amazing, considering how it was first pronounced to you. I thought it was copious. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, do you uh, do you have a scientist name you want me to introduce you as? Yeah, I'm Ol Garkle, like O-L apostrophe and then Garkle. Ol Garkle. Yeah. It's time to bring on our final guest. He's a brilliant stand-up, hysterical improviser, and also an amazing artist and musician, the very talent, multi-talented Aaron Reed. Hey, Aaron. Hello. Welcome to the call. Thanks for having me on this call. Anytime. There's so many people on this call. It's really exciting. I know you've been doing a bunch of art in the last little while. How do you balance like all of your hobbies with like doing comedy and stuff as well? Do you have a secret? Because I would love to hear it. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have severe ADHD. And so I do a lot of things and I don't finish any of them. So I constantly feel bad. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a, like a productive place right now, but uh, I just like to do a bunch of little, little things. Um, and then comedy is the main thing, but I haven't done any comedy in half a year or so. Except for the Sunday service. Uh, is this a, what's going to be on the show? I, I just wanted to ask. Like, I know you've been doing a lot of stuff. Like, I, I know you've been doing a lot of art and things lately and music. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit, I'm in a bit of a slump with art, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> You're going to figure out art? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm like, I think for a very long time I was just a capitalist. Like, not a, a hardened capitalist, but just only interested in success and, and survival. So I'm trying to figure out how to be like art, you know, how to like 
had a look at the ocean and be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I do know. I feel that I feel like we've got to like kind of like a serious like somber place here for a moment because I feel that really strongly, too. I've also been in a really like unproductive place. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, do some funny stuff now. <laughs> w- what's your relationship with science like? Mine? Yeah, yours. Uh, I got kicked out of science class a lot because uh, for asking stupid questions, I asked my science teacher why you when you look at the sun, you sneeze. And she said, I'm that's stupid. And I was like, it happens. Um, what? I have that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, all of school. Not very good. Uh, I liked biology cause I like animals. Um, uh, they're cool. <laughs> I like, uh, you know, um, I'm no, I wasn't very good at science. Um, I failed a lot of uh, projects and, uh, I never understood the, like, Oh yeah, you have to come up with a hypothesis and then a thesis and then a conclusion. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> and that's from grade five. <laughs> I feel like like laughing you out of the room for asking questions is like basically the worst thing you can do for people's like excitement about learning. Because they're like, I'm curious about something. Yeah. It's like, you're stupid. And then you're like, okay, I never ask a question again. Uh, my teacher wasn't even the worst science teacher. The worst science teacher wouldn't let women go to the bathroom if they needed to because she said they were lying um and gave us weird facts about sex <laughs> this was this was like one of your science teachers i went to a horrible high school yes it wasn't a it sounds like it, it wasn't like a tough high school it was just like who the bottom of the barrel of everyone students teachers <laughs> this is where all the teachers they can't fire or go they just like, get cycled into your school yeah my principal used to walk around with a golf club not for for some reason i don't know why but he would just kind of like he was weird. He looked like the Monopoly man, too. <laughs> and he would just wander the halls with a golf club. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. That sounds, like, healthy and normal. I think it's time to do this next round. Aaron, I'm very excited to introduce you to our scientist that we have on the show right now. Uh, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Ol Garkle is her name. Ol Garkle. Yeah. Ol. O-L apostrophe. Thank oh, you. Oh, Ol. Sorry. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Do you go by Ol? Ol Garkle. Ol Garkle. It's one and the same, truly. Uh, Ol Garkle, can you tell us a little bit about your work? Uh, I'm going to give you about 60 seconds, give Aaron an overview of what you do, then uh, you guys can chat about it a little bit. Okie dokie. Hello, Aaron. Uh, Nice to meet you. I'm really excited to um, show this to you because, wow, it's been a real cool 40-year process to get this together. Four years? Cool. 40, yeah, 40. 40, holy. Yeah, which is hilarious folks. because I'm I'm 28 years old, so I don't know. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Anywho, so we're talking about the lungs and the chromosotic uh, uh, stuff that goes behind it and create certain bacterial and invasive mucus in the upper respiratory system, especially uh, detaining to patients with cystic fibrosis and how they have co- they can have copious amounts of mucus in their lungs, which is, you know, we got to get rid of it, but there's a nutrient system in there and, you know, there's no oxygen. So the thing is, is that we have to get in there and find an antibacterial uh, uh, solution that can survive not with oxygen, which is, <laughs> I mean, have you tried to survive without oxygen? <laughs> pretty hard so we got to get in those there's so there's like a a biofilm and a two kinds of growth state so there's a good one which is a plantonic growth straight and not a good one don't remember what it's 
I, it doesn't matter. Um, and so here's the thing. The bacteria that makes mucus grow in lungs, it's, it's got a natural antibiotic to it. So we need to fight it, um, even though it's naturally antibacterial. So yeah, that's, that's me, uh, Old Garkle. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thanks, Old Garkle. Uh, any questions? So um, what do you do with the mucus? <laughs> Great. Great question. So the mucus is in there already. Um, right. And so my what my, uh, in general, trying to do thesis is uh, get in there and uh, the mucus out because it creates a biofilm <laughs> that stops uh, antibacterial behaviors in mm-hmm. bacteria. And we need to uh, find a way to get an antibacterial in there that doesn't, that allows it to clear out the mucus without it stopping it. Right. And what what were some of the processes that you used before? Uh, like, because uh, obviously there's lots of trial and error before coming to this kind of, like, it sounds like you're on the right path. Yeah. So we went into the ocean and... Um, Scuba dived? Yeah, we so we scuba dived because here's the thing. There's no oxygen in there in That's the ocean. That's true. That's true. And so, like, I mean, there is some because it's H2O, but there's more hi- hydrogen. So that's how that is a math and science. Yeah. I am a woman in STEM. Thank you. So we went into the ocean and tried to uh, focus on, how, you know, algae, you know how it grows in the ocean with no oxygen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how we can get that, but in a, a person's body. Cool. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I have a quick question. Yeah. You, you, you said you're trying to stop bacterial behavior in bacteria. What are some bacterial behaviors you're trying to stop? And what are you trying to maybe replace them with? Yeah, sure. Have you ever seen that commercial uh, for mu- Mucus X? Mucinex? Mucinex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Mucinex? and how they have like mean bacteria, like guys who are like up in your yeah. nose. Yeah. Like working class guys. <laughs> yeah. home from work. Basically, think, think of a bacteria as... As somebody who whose job it is to ruin your life. Okay. So that is what a bacteria does in your mucus. When some mucus is good, don't get me wrong, you need some of it, but some of it has uh, angry bacteria that's not so kind. So we have to weed in uh, the good and the bad and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that answered my question pretty well. Aaron, any other thoughts? Um, no, it Great. makes a lot of sense to me. I think you've delivered it in a, in a clear, concise way, and uh, I, I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there any um, – was there any results from the algae, from the comparisons between, like, a human lung and the, like, the algae in the ocean? Yeah, we won't know until 2042, so. Wow. Oh, it takes a long time for the test results to come back? Yeah, I mean, we're still, we have a scientist who's living underwater right now. (laughs) You have a scientist (laughs) underwater right now? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out how we can adapt to uh, ocean life because the oceans are rising. So we're trying to, like, see if we can also create some sort of, like, mermaid hybrid at the same time as figuring out uh, our really um, important work. Thank you. So that's one of the options, I guess. I didn't understand that because, like, instead of trying to, like, treat what's going on, it's like you're trying to create a new race (laughs) of of people. Yeah, thank you. Just yeah. to clarify, um, Olgarkel, what <laughs> mm-hmm. what is like what is it about the work that you're doing in terms of like mucus and bacteria and lungs that, that transfers so well to a creation of sort of like fish human hybrid species? 
Yeah, totally. So think about a fish and how it can't live on land because of its Naturally, skills, yeah. right? It, yeah. So it's missing uh, a couple of things. Um, so sometimes uh, we can't breathe with our lungs because we're missing a couple things. So we're trying to figure out if, if there's that's like a, a dual problem that we can fix in both of us. So maybe someday there'll be fish walking around. Wow. And we'll be swimming in the ocean. In maybe 2042. Well, 2042 is a long shot for our mer people, but maybe 2062. <laughs> Real long term. Aaron, if there's uh, if you're good to go, then I, we can move on to the last round. I almost am. What was that one word? Chromosotic? Yep. And what does that mean? It's something to do with chromosomes. You know how we're born with them? I do know how we're born with them. So sometimes there's all these different ways that chromosomes can present in humans. And so sometimes they cause certain differences in your system, in your body system, in your DNA. And that's it. That's chromosotic. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Aaron, you got all that? You all set? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. My scientist's name is Brent Wigsley. Okay. It's like the most normal, I feel. Well, I went through a lot. Darren Prefasure, Darren Ribbert, Colbert, Crimmins. But then someone last name Crimmins killed their kid, so I was like, can't do that. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you just looked at... Cake Ripley. <laughs> well, Brent, Brent Wigsley it is then. I'm going to bring everybody back, and you're going to have an opportunity to uh, explain your work to the Canada Research Council to try and get your project funded. Cool. Sounds good. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. This uh, brings to order the Canada Research Council Funding Committee meeting. Welcome. Um, on the committee today, we've got uh, Dr. Toblerone-Jones, Ol Garkle, we have Morgan Alford here, and of course, uh, pleading their case today is Brett Wingsley. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. So uh, you'll have uh, one minute to explain your work, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a, a discussion, ask you some questions, make sure you'd put this money to good use. Totally. Uh, were you to get it for your research? Um, you can begin anytime. Okay. Well, hello, fellow scientists. It's really, um, it's really an honor to be in the presence of such active minds. I am Brent Wigsley. I'm a scientist from UBS, and uh, which is the University of um, Bioscience. Uh, so that's where I go. It's one of the top-rated. I feel like I'm running out of time. I shouldn't just say my my uh, credentials. Okay, it's okay. I'll, I'll start your time once you start actually talking about. <laughs> oh, your, your okay, cool, yeah, cool. yeah. So I go to this University of UBS. Um, yeah, University of Bioscience. It's hard to get into. No big deal. But anyways, sorry. My counselor tells me that I should be more positive and courageous about myself. So that's what I'm trying to do. Anyways, that's a little bit behind the curtain. Um, the chroma curtain. If we're talking science here. So what I'm, I'm proposing to try and get funding is we're trying to get rid of a, a chromosotic evasive mucus. So this is a mucus when regular physicians and hospitals try and treat it, it moves around. It moves around the body. And that's why it's so difficult to treat. And that's why we've been doing comparisons between the human body and algae in the ocean. Why, you ask? Well, algae stays put. You never see an algae, you know, telling you that it went to uh, a country that's not where it is because they can't even talk. And also they stay in place. So we're looking to get some of the genomes from the algae and uh, and place them into the, figure out a way to uh, kind of coat the mucus in the, the solitary genomes of the algae in order to make the evasive mucus stand still so we can get it. Get a big science spoon in there, take it, and then you get it out. 
Sorry, I just watched uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so I'm a little cartoony. And anyways, you know, we got the Schumann hybrid theory, and there's two growth states, and to put it plainly, these bacteria are eating up nutrients and there's no oxygen, and that's a no-go for human beings. We need both. You need a carrot, and you need a cup of fresh air. Wow. Thank you. Um... That, that was a great presentation. I think we all really enjoyed it. I'd like to just turn it over now to the, the committee for questions. Of course, and I'm ready and willing to answer all questions. Brent Wigsley, Toblerone Jones here. Um, I would like to know what you say to the allegations that your research is lifted entirely from the movie Flubber. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tobes. Yes, okay. I've had this. There's There's been a little bit of um, controversy. Uh, a lot of people are saying I got an uh, uh, I, I transcribed the movie Flubber onto my PC. You scooped Flubber. I scooped Flubber. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that I did that. Um, I would ask you to go back to MGM's archives and look at who is an original executive producer of Flubber. And the original executive producer of Flubber, not the Robin Williams one, I'm talking about the Jerry Lewis one, <laughs> is... Um, the executive producer is um, is Brian Golmare, who is actually a scientist before he was a movie producer. What I'm trying to say is, in plain speak, even though you're a scientist, uh, I could say it in a science way, but in plain speak, Flubber stole the idea from me. So Flubber is based off of this research um, started by my coworker, and I've kind of kept it going. It's been going for 40 years. I'm not the first. Brett, really quick, are you aware... Um, that there is a 1963 movie called Son of Flubber, mm, dating back to yes, 1963. The, yes, I am. I am. Uh, I am. I am familiar with that movie. It's yeah, awesome. it's got a 6.1 uh, rating on uh, IMDb Pro. Oh wow, you've got Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pro in many things. <laughs> That's cool. Yes, there was a sequel to the uh, to the movie from Flubber, uh, which was Son of Flubber, because uh, as we all know, Flubber ends with um, a scientist being trapped in a cave with a big flub, and he ends up falling in love with the flub, <laughs> and they, of course, in science terms, completely have sex, and uh, <laughs> completely, yeah, not just a little bit, <laughs> full the whole way. That movie is more Hollywood than um, than science, okay. so I. I I, I I'll watch that movie with a bag of chips, not 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 a not a pen and a notepad. If you know what yes. I'm talking about, science stuff. Wow, uh, Morgan, any questions for Brent? Yeah, so here at the Canada Research Council, we really want to make sure we're using our money well. Uh, what would you use the funds for if we were to award you a grant today? For one, uh, we need we, there's a lot of back pay on that scientist in the ocean. Um, there's a scientist <laughs> in the ocean. And he, he, he lives on a, flota- uh, a floatable lab. <laughs> he lives on a, sorry, it's just funny because he gets up and he gets into like little things and he kind of makes a little comic strip and sends it to us. But anyways, so a lot of the funding will go to feeding him. And he also recently brought a friend onto the raft, which we did not know about. So we're going to, so a lot of it's going to grocery bills um, to kind of feed these two who are out there. Um, I see, I, I, I don't know if I'm missing that, but it looks like you've got one of those comic strips with you in your book. Could you just like read us out and describe the panels in one of them? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, here's a funny little, um, little comic. Uh, the picture is... Um, a man on a raft all alone. And it says, uh, man, I wish I had a friend. 
And then a shark, uh, the next panel is a shark bumps the raft and goes, I'm a, I'm a freaking eat you. And then the guy says, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Classic sea life. Yeah. You want a friend, but you know what? The shark is a friend because the shark doesn't know friend stuff. Sharks don't even blink. And that's a thing that, that uh, people early in college don't know. <laughs> when I got my master's, the chancellor pulled me aside and he said, um, sharks don't blink. And I said, what? Then he showed me a, a shark head um, that he had in his office. I, I wonder, you, you talked about how there are multiple growth states. What are those growth states and what's the difference between them? Yes, of course. And there's a big difference. Huge. Yeah, naturally. And if you, don't, if you don't get the difference, then like, what are you even doing, <laughs> right? So the first growth state is Britonic, and that's named after um, a filtration system that Brita is named after. Brita is named after a filtration system called Britalis. So that growth state is Britonic, which is where it allows a, uh, a porous holes to uh, occur within the bacteria so that bacteria fighting nutrients can get into the membrane of the bacteria. So that's Britonic. And uh, the other growth state is willful. And that is when the bacteria willfully grows into its mature state and dissolves. So sometimes the mucus in the body will just kind of like age and get older and then it comes up in your, yeah. So those are the two growth traits. Do not get them mixed up. Bretonic and willful. Very clear. D- uh, Dr. Uh, Brent Wingsley, I would like to put before the court the evidence that was published by you 10 years ago that that mucus, the evasion mucus, Mm -hmm. is actually a gestating baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. You published this research 10 years ago, and you said that this gestating baby is the key to proving that that humans can breathe underwater. Can you explain what you meant by that? Of course. And just for clarification, if you could say gestating in science terms? Um, Yeah. What's another word for gestating, but in a more in a science uh, term? Just, just so I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Gestating, uh, just like uh, sleeping inside of a lady's tummy, and eating all of her food and mashed potatoes. Yes, now I get what you're saying. This goes back to our research that we've been doing in the ocean uh, with our guy in the ocean and his friend. I don't know what his friend's up to, but don't know the story there. But anyways, what's his friend's name? What's the friend's name? Yeah. No idea. I don't. I haven't. I haven't gotten interested in who this person is. Um, he's he's asking to send very rare ingredients to make a homemade pizza. I don't know. He's gonna make it on that raft. Anyways, yes. Some of the bacteria is a gestating baby, and that um, that goes back to our research in the ocean. We are by twenty sixty two. We are trying to figure out if we can have a, a human that can both live on land and in the ocean. We can just toss them in the ocean and um, toss large populations of people into the ocean. Um, just boom, 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 you know, just like, just like going into cities, get all those people on, boom, boom, bow, zap, bow, 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 get in there. And then they're fine. And then they create underwater condos and right. then underwater Wendy's and stuff like that. So- just to clarify, because we're, we're almost out of time now and we'll have to, you know, move on to our, our next scientist and hear them. Please what is time? Yeah. That's another question. Right. Well, our, next, our next guest is going to tell us all about that. So to clear up from what you've said, your goal, if you got this funding, would be to make humans be able to breathe underwater by feeding them special mucus. And then you would you would toss them all into the water. Boom. Zap. 
Get in there. Bow, bow, okay. bow. Yes. Great. And I would personally be at the tip of the raft. Boom. <laughs> Scat. Get out okay. of here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What we're going to do is, so part of the funding is going to go into some children's books. Okay. So um, part of the children's books will be earth-based. You know, look at this raccoon, look at this skunk, pizza's great, all that, whatever kids like to read. The second series of books are called You're Gonna Live Underwater. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm not around kids. I don't know anything about kids. That's why I'm not writing the kids' books. We're getting some of the top kids' books people. The Waldos here. Good night. Okay, I think, you know, we... I just mostly want to make sure you have the ethics to produce those children's books. Of course. All right. Yes. You'll you're find the ethics certificate. You're going to run this all great... by the ethics board, right? Yeah, we got a great guy from uh, Canada who I found him on DeviantArt. He makes a uh, he makes kind of like sexual Garfield parody comics. So I told him don't go sexual, obviously. Um, so everything's locked in there. So no worries on the ethics there. He's not going to go sexual. Um, so yeah, if you're talking about ethical concerns, um, I've told the comic artist not to do any sexy Garfield pervert stuff um, in the Perfect. books. And he said, he sent me an email back that said, you're really okay. Uh, he was kind of like debated in and we'll, right. we'll take it as a... We'll take it as it comes. Okay. Um, I think we've all heard enough. I do have some ethical concerns, I admit, but um, we're going to just do a basic vote here. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll... Well, it's positive. Yeah. Right before they go into the ocean, I'm like, boom, get in there. You rule. Bop, bop. You know what I mean? <laughs> Super. Hands on. So, uh, Dr. Toblerone Jones, uh, do you, what do you think? Should we get funding? You for oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I would fund this project. Sweet. I yeah, I give it a thumbs up. Great. Uh, I give it the big thumbs up of science. Oh, oh gargle, how about you? Toss me into the ocean, baby. I'm here for it. Okay. And this is the response we've been getting from. I've been call. I've been cold calling <laughs> a lot of people, and then I'm like, "Do you got the mucus?" They're like, yeah, "Up to the brim, buddy." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, In the ocean, they go. Yeah. Of course. So I haven't had a lot of pushback. This is the first time. Um, Dr. Alfred that I've heard pushback and I appreciate it. I appreciate all pushback. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is, you are the last vote. Um, Morgan, would you like to weigh in? I'm afraid I, today, I don't know if I can grant the funding. I'm going to have to wait for this ethics certificate to cross my desk. It does sound promising. We're also going to have to check out the flubber scooping situation. Just one last time. It was presented in the court here today. All right. So that's a few more points of order that we'll, we'll have to look at before we can get a unanimous vote your honor i would move that morgan alfred be stricken from the panel because her name sounds fake this is true it's not a real name like the rest of ours it does sound fake yeah if it was something like morgan (laughs) alfred pepsi i would be like okay that would make sense you guys are mispronouncing it it's actually morgan alfred oh Oh, morgan alfred okay morgan alfred that's that's real. That's real. We we trust you now. We're not gonna do a Scooby Doo mask off and reveal you're something else. <laughs> um, I think this concludes our panel. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it, um, Dr. Brent Wigsley. We'll we will get back to you soon once we've had a chance to look into everything. Thanks for presenting your work. No problem. And you know where to find me. Four three two five 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 pizza. Was that an address or a phone number? That's the right number. That's a. Phone <laughs> Was that the right number? That's a phone number. <laughs> Okay, well, 
At this point in the show, I think we need to um, move on to try and figuring out what, what the hell actually happened here. So, um, Morgan, uh, can you can you tell us what you, what you actually do and what you saw go off the rails? Yes. Um, oh, boy. How far back do we go? So, basically, I study bacteria that infect the lungs of people with a lot of mucus in their lungs. And people that have this disease called cystic fibrosis is where we often see this mucus accumulating. So for reasons that we don't fully understand, people with cystic fibrosis have a lot of mucus in their lungs. They get bacteria that like to live in that mucus. And we're trying to get rid of the bacteria that live in the mucus. We're not really targeting the mucus because she going to keep coming back. Um, we just want to get rid of the bacteria that live inside of that. That's actually what's harmful. The mucus, we all can live with a little bit of mucus in our lungs pretty normally, but the bacteria are the bad things. Um, and the bacteria, when they live in the mucus, there's not a lot of oxygen there because it's really dense and sticky. Oxygen can't get in. And so they form these things called biofilms. So that's when the bacteria kind of aggregate together and form a film-like structure, which Dr. Toblerone-Jones, you're actually pretty accurate in your description of what a biofilm is. Um, <laughs> genius. And when bacteria form these biofilms, they stop responding to antibiotics. So I'm sure you've all have heard of antibiotics before. We use antibiotics to kill bacteria and get rid of bacterial infections. And the misuse of antibiotics in the clinic has led to a lot of bacteria being resistant. And so you get this kind of cycle where you use antibiotic to get rid of biofilm. It actually produces more biofilm. The bacteria get more resistant and it's a problem. And so we think that by reversing this kind of anaerobic lifestyle or this growth without oxygen lifestyle we can prevent biofilms from forming get rid of biofilms make bacteria more susceptible to antibiotics again and be able to treat the bacteria in the mucus of people with cystic fibrosis that is that's a really clear explanation i think i think i did pretty well <laughs> yeah there's there a lot of stuff that stuck around it was great um it did. I don't know if throwing people in the ocean would be an effective treatment, but we have looked at saltwater rinses to try to get rid of mucus buildup and prevent biofilm formation. And those can make you breathe underwater? Um, 2062? Stay tuned to 2062. Yeah. That's, the, that's the target date. Do, do, you, do you folks have any questions for Morgan? I, how do you promote an aerobic lifestyle versus an anaerobic lifestyle. I mean, I would say encouraging people to go for swims is a great way to do that. Uh, you seem to have an opposite opinion. That's fine. You have your facts. I have my facts. Relative facts is fine, I think, but I would love to hear your explanation of it. And I promise I will fight my instinct to immediately cut you off when you start talking. <laughs> We have a mute button on our end, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> so we have tried a few different things, but that's kind of the area of active research that we're still figuring out is ways or strategies where we can prevent um, anaerobiosis, we call it, when bacteria grow without oxygen. How can we prevent anaerobiosis in this oxygen-deficient environment? And so we've looked at using different sorts of naturally occurring medicines, such as 
like vitamin D supplements and stuff that can help bacteria just stay really metabolically active. And then when they get into that mucus, hopefully that metabolic activity can stay upregulated for longer. We've also looked at things like salt rinses, using hydrogen peroxide treatments and other things. That's cool. cool. So what is the plank? These two growth states came up a bunch. What is the planktonic growth state? Yeah. So the planktonic growth state is actually, you can think about plankton in the ocean to nice. kind of get a visualization <laughs> of what a planktonic growth state is. Was I wrong? <laughs> no, not entirely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a little bit. That's a good way to put it. Basically, bacteria grow, quote unquote, planktonically when they grow individually and like are just individual bacteria swimming around in a solution. And so if bacteria actually are able to get through the upper respiratory tract into the lungs of people, they are actually probably doing that by spreading around planktonically, swimming mm. around individually. Um, but when they're stuck in the upper respiratory tract, that's when we think they're growing mostly in the biofilm state. That's super interesting. Which is the yeah, other yeah. state. Okay, and that's mm -hmm. the one that's like super antibiotic resistant. Yeah, so bacteria are naturally antibiotic resistant, especially after a course of antibiotics that hasn't killed them. They develop this sort of way to resist that treatment. They modify themselves evolutionarily by changing their genes a little bit. Um, but when bacteria that are naturally not antibiotic resistant, we say they're antibiotic susceptible, if they form biofilms and aggregate with each other, even in their individual state, if they're antibiotic susceptible, they become resistant when they're clumped together. And so it's kind of like a strength in numbers sort of phenomenon. And we don't fully understand all of the mechanisms that underlie the biofilm associated antibiotic resistance. But it is very important in the clinic because upward of 80% of all bacterial infections are caused by bacteria that form biofilms and so likely making them unresponsive to antibiotics and really really making our use of antibiotics just ineffective huh. not wow. all bugs need drugs right? not all bugs need drugs <laughs> using drugs probably makes the bugs worse that's when we get things like superbugs. and why do i have an allergy to penicillin you have an allergy <laughs> to penicillin because your human cells don't like what penicillin does to them thank you very much <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not a human cell expert. If, do people have cystic fibrosis? Because I know that that's like a one from smoke can be a thing. Or is that COPD from smoking cigarettes? COPD can be triggered by smoking cigarettes, but it's got a genetic component as well, meaning that people who develop it are predisposed to it at birth. Oh, okay. And cystic fibrosis is also a genetic disorder. So cystic fibrosis is caused by a defective copy of a specific gene in your chromosome that you inherit when you're a developing or gestating baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> to bring it full circle. <laughs> so you are born... <laughs> you're born with cystic fibrosis. Um, and... Yeah, oh, okay. nothing you can do to yourself in your life will make you develop cystic fibrosis, but you can develop symptoms that a lot of people with cystic fibrosis also struggle okay. with by doing things like smoking and living in places with lots of pollutants in the air and stuff. Right. But this okay. research does have like, like, mm -hmm. am I right in thinking that there's a the potential to like really improve people's lives and, and maybe lengthen lives too with this? 
A hundred percent. Yeah, so the current life expectancy for people with cystic fibrosis is 30 years of age. Wow. And that's with our modern medicine really, really like being there for them. So even people in places without adequate health care, they don't see 30. They don't even see 20 years of age more often than not. Um, and so that a large part of the problem is the bacterial infections that occur with cystic fibrosis causing chronic inflammation in the lungs and causing lung failure at an early age. So if we were able to get rid of the bacterial diseases, we could see people with cystic fibrosis living full, healthy lives, theoretically. Wow. That's, That's incredible. Yeah, well, I'm really glad to hear that you're like working on this. That's awesome. Yeah, and if you guys don't know a lot about cystic fibrosis, there's actually this really great film that was produced last year. It's called Five Feet Apart. It stars Cole Sprouse, Hollywood heartthrob. Oh, yeah. And... and it actually is really, really informative and is really great for spreading awareness about cystic fibrosis. Awesome. We'll put a link to that in the show notes too for the episode. I feel like it's something everybody can kind of relate to right now with staying six mm. feet apart in COVID times because people with cystic fibrosis, they always have to stay five feet apart because they don't want to transmit mm. bacteria to each other. Wow. Well, thanks so much, Morgan. This has been really, really awesome. And like, <laughs> it's really cool. I'm glad we kind of got to talk about the like possible amazing effects this could have i feel like such a debbie downer no i, I think this is like potentially but positive it's a reminder that i wasted my life trying to do stupid shit <laughs> no. <laughs> no no it's okay. not at all art is important kelly thank you Aaron. <laughs> so let's let's wrap things up now this has been an awesome episode i've learned a ton and i it was i really enjoyed everyone's explanations Thanks, everybody, so much for being with us. I hope you all had fun and learned something. Before we go, uh, Abdul, is there anything you're up to or you want to plug or a place we can find you online? The best thing that I make is probably uh, it's a D&D podcast called Spelt Lore, S-P-O-U-T-L-O-R-E. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to know anything about D&D or anything to listen to it. We didn't know anything about D&D when we started it. So it's just like a comedy, fantasy, storytelling podcast. I highly recommend it. Sweet. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Oh, wow. Um, nothing currently. Filling my days with uh, long walks, but you can follow me on Twitter. I will be on a television show ne- next year, but I don't know <gasps> when it's going to be on. But What it is will- it? Whoa. I don't know if I can even say <laughs> But if you follow me on Twitter, I will Whoa. say when it is on. It'll be on Global. It's going to be on Canada only. <laughs> Sweet. Canada biggest market it's my <laughs> biggest market america's like that jawline no thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta stay where it's safe aaron or brent wigsley i'm on instagram that's where i post art and stuff at aaron charles reed we'll, uh, we'll put a link. throw me an email charles at gmail.com um no don't i don't i don't like getting emails and uh, and then my twitter is at gullbarf um and that's where i tweet sometimes wow and that's it cool yeah Awesome. Great. Morgan, how about you? Anywhere we can find you online? I'm in a few places, so I've dabbled in a few little SciCom things lately, uh, working with Let's Talk Science at the University of British Columbia, which is an organization that goes into lower socioeconomic status classrooms. Um, and we really target minority youth and lower socioeconomic youth and try to teach them science in a fun way that is the opposite of what Aaron got in high school and engages them and really gets them excited about science. <laughs> so them go to the bathroom. And uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Let's Talk Science UBC. And then I've also got my own personal account, Mo, where I do just like my graduate student tweeting. 
that's it. Thanks so much, everybody. This was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's hard for me. <laughs> Good job, Abdul. Science Telephone is produced by Jesse Lupini and Lucas Cavanaugh. We're edited by Kobe Michaels. Our designer is Kelsey Hemphill. And our intro is performed by Franz Paris. That's me. To learn more about the show, this episode's scientists, or the comedians you just heard, visit us on the internet at sciencetelephone.com or on Twitter at SciTelShow. S-C-I-T-E-L Show. End of call.